This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. Only when we go out of our way to be with people unlike us, will they then go out of their way to talk to people about us. That's Joe Battaglia, broadcaster, author, and president of Renaissance Communications on this episode. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. I'm not here with Armin Asadi this week, but we're so glad that you're here to put your faith to work and to bring your bold ideas to life. We have a very special guest on our show today. Joe Battaglia is a broadcaster, author of Politically Incorrect Jesus, and that's my dad. He's also president of Renaissance Communications, a media company whose mission is to provide media platforms for gifted communicators of biblical truth. He's the executive producer of the nationally syndicated radio program, Keep the Faith. And for over 16 years, he's been involved in the promotion of highly successful hit movies such as Miracles from Heaven, War Room, and I Can Only Imagine. And Joe has also been on the Bold Idea podcast before, kicking off episode three a long time ago. We want to welcome to the program, Joe Battaglia. Welcome, Joe. Well, thank you, Larry. It's always good to be with you. Oh, you know, I always enjoy talking to you, Joe. And we last spoke... Uh, well, over a year ago, and at that time, that was January 2017, you were on our third episode of the Bold Idea <laughs> Podcast. So I just want to, first of all, thank you for being a longtime supporter of our show in terms of you know helping us get us launched. But way back then, you wrote another book, and we're going to talk about your new one in a minute, but I want to just touch base on the, the book that we talked about back then in January of 2017, The Politically Incorrect Jesus. You know, and you've been busy, of course, since then. But what have what kind of feedback have you gotten from that book? How's that uh, how's how's that been received? Well, that was received very well, uh, from what I can tell. Uh, it made uh, well the top three for book of the year at the wow. Christian uh, CBA marketplace. So um, I was very honored to have that told to me. Yes, that's <laughs> uh, great. I, yeah, but that really was. How many books are published that would you know? Christian books that are published that would even be considered. I mean, to make the top three is amazing. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are thousands every yeah. year, and yeah. particularly in a certain category, which was faith and culture, which is where I like to talk um, and and do my thinking because I think it's so important that we as believers enter into the arena and enable people to hear a perspective that they may not ordinarily hear, right? Uh, so that's what I enjoy a whole lot. And um, it was really nice to have the politically incorrect Jesus uh, receive that kind of recognition. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Unfriended. Yeah, and it was um, it was a timely book, too, in terms of all the turmoil that's going on. And as you said, you like to write about the intersection of, of Christian faith and culture. And it seems like your your new book is following that that theme here. You're going in a way, counterculture again with your latest book. Um, and Unfriended, Finding True Community in Counterfeit Culture. Now, today, October 2nd, when we're recording this, this is your launch day, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, well, congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you. You've got a lot of stuff going on on launch day, and you're spending time with us on the podcast, so I so appreciate it. But tell us, what is that book about, and why did you write it? Okay. I, I think rather simply this. Um, 
I have been concerned as I look around me uh, about the lack of civility, the rancor in our national narrative, uh, the lack of true community as I understand it. Um, And I always want to talk about the things that I see out there that I think could use a fresh perspective, a reset, if you will. And so um, much of that, of what I talk about, has to do with how we um, hide behind the anonymity of the internet and our social media and do not encounter each other in the way we used to, which enables us to um, really become the kind of people that we are meant to be. And so uh, it was a fun way of looking at culture again and looking at some of the things that uh, I feel are important for us to determine, you know, what constitutes true community? What is the biblical frame of reference for it? Because I always see that as my frame of reference, right? Yeah. Um, I, I take what I think God has given in the universe and I translate it into a temporal understanding for us. So that's why I did it. Uh, I tried to put in there, what is real community about? Where does it start? What does it look like? And so again, I go back to scripture to see where the first community started. And it was in the heavenlies with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And what God did was send his son, however that works, right? That great mystery of God coming down to earth in order to show us what heaven is like. You know, Jesus explains that in the Lord's prayer, you know, Mm -hmm. to to give us this day, our daily bread, you know, and what does that mean? And, um, you know, as it is on earth, right? As it is in heaven, you, you read these types of things. And so basically he was helping us understand that what we have here on earth is really just temporal training ground for the eternal. And so, um, yeah, I said, well, what does community consist of that I can see Jesus modeling? And how do I then practically apply that across the board of my experience? And so I looked at the parables, his responses, And I looked at how do I translate that? And so I saw three really dominant themes continually arising from his intersection with people. And that was one of them, Hmm. intersection. And another one is communion. And I think a really important third one that culminated his work on earth was sacrifice. Um, And so I think those three elements are really necessary to have community. Intersection. Communion and sacrifice. Yeah. That's great. And I think when you look at the internet, it is impossible to achieve at least two of those. Right? Mm -hmm. You you cannot commune with someone until you sense their heartbeat, look into their eyes, feel their dream, and sweat alongside with them or argue alongside with them. And you certainly can't sacrifice the kind of way in which Jesus asked us to. Mm Mm-hmm by hiding behind the wall of impersonality that we put up on the internet often. Um, And so I play off of all that. And the fun thing about not knowing what you're going to write about until you sit down is that you never know what God pours through you until you're done. Yeah. 
Um, and because of that, I can say it's really good, this book. Not because I wrote it, but because it's beyond me. Yeah, it, you, you, you tapped into something that God was speaking to you even as you wrote it, it sounds like. What, exactly. What, what, was the, what was the trigger for you, Joe? You woke up one morning and, and you decided <laughs> that you're going to write this book. What, was there a, an event or a trigger that said, oh, you know what, uh, this needs to come together? No, there really wasn't a trigger. I met with my publisher um, and he wanted me to write something else. Mm -hmm. And we sat there and he said, well, what's on your heart? And I say, you know, it's real simple. Um, we've lost community. We've lost a thing that enables people to become who they are because they have intersected with people outside of themselves. Because I grew up in a wonderful home and environment that gave me amazing community. Um, and I saw it fleshed out and unpacked. And a lot of young people today don't have that with all the broken homes, with all the failed marriages, with all the relationships that people have with a cell phone rather than a human or a computer screen rather than with another individual. Um, it is almost a crime to see that continuing to happen. And so I said, those are the things that are bothering me. I mean, um, you walk around and you just can't get anybody's attention. Um, nobody plays anymore together. Uh, we're afraid of everything. Fear is running just through our hearts and minds more than anything else because we've just, we spend time with people who exacerbate that. Yeah. Um, and it becomes your narrative rather than um, putting everything down and going, going out to play ball or just walk, taking a walk with someone or meeting with someone uh, because that's all we had prior to this other distraction. So anyway, there was no one event. It was just, uh, a discussion with my publisher saying, what's on your heart? And I said, well, this is really what's on my heart. And he said, well, then write about it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, because it's so, it's going to be so pertinent even further. And this was almost two years ago. Um, and um, lo and behold, it is probably one of the bigger topics of our day. Yeah. And there's certainly a lot of things going on. You know, people in uproar over things that are said on Twitter, which seem to be an easy thing to do to take a pot shot at somebody and, you know, I, I, I look at my own interaction with social media and, you know, the idea of community that you talked about in, in large ways, I think, is, seems to be intersected with, with food. I mean, food is one of those things that helps build and strengthen community. And if, if you want to look at perhaps one of the more intimate settings where community can take place, go to a restaurant and watch people eat together. Mm -hmm. And I see half the time there are people are just, you know, they're looking at their cell phones more often than they are engaging in conversation with the ones that they're with. And I'm guilty of that too. And, and this idea of coming to grips with community in a digital age and what that means, I think that's what you're addressing in this book. But I'm wondering about, you know, we talk about community in the, a social kind of digital world. And, and, you know, you talk about friends and followers and tribes and all these words have entered our digital lexicon. But yeah. how have these concepts, these digital concepts changed our thinking about what community means? Well, I think, first of all, what I wanted to do was establish something. The necessity of getting outside of ourselves, right, as a hallmark of what true community is. Mm -hmm. And I go right to our national motto, e pluribus unum. 
Mm-hmm. It's on all our coins. We all have heard that. Trash day uh, is I, Thursday, I, right? Is that what that means? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well not quite. Um, but of course, as most people know, yeah. it means one from many or more literally translated from the Latin, from the many one. And so what I determined was that, unfortunately, much of our current national narrative seems to have forgotten that our strength lies in our differences, right? Mm. And our ability to see beyond our differences for a greater good. So inherent to all this is an understanding of the greatness of plurality and the absolute necessity of having people in our lives who are different from us. See, the genius of our country, which is the genius of our faith, is that we're all different yet one. Mm -hmm. And you can only become one when you appreciate differences and seek after them. Just the opposite happens often on the web uh, with our uh, propensity. (laughs) This is why I called it unfriended to Mm -hmm. only create quote, communities of people who think like us, look like us, act like us, say what really um, augments what we already believe and want to hear. Well, that's not community, that's Mm anti-community. And so I, I try to establish that we have to have many in order to be one. And that's how we were founded with that realization. So we're more fully one when we are different, right? Whereas most people might say if they are just focused on who they are on the internet is that uh, we're more fully one when we're all the same. So I try to establish a base point, right? A foundation for why I'm saying what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I look at, then I try to incorporate some of our biblical principles uh, that I find in many of the parables, particularly when Jesus is walking along the road. And I... <clears throat> Then go to some of the parables, for instance, like, you know, when he meets the woman at the well uh, or the parable of the Good Samaritan or the woman caught in adultery. Um, So, for example, the great story of the Good Samaritan that everybody knows to me begins with the very idea that he is on the road in the first place in order to intersect with someone. Mm -hmm. If he was sitting behind his computer screen. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. Uh, he would never have been able to do the thing that we know the story to be so wonderful about, which is to intersect with someone unlike him. And part of that goes to the intersection. And then he took that person um, and then tended to his wounds and then brought him to the inn or wherever and paid for him. So he communed with him in some way. And then he sacrificed something his time, his money, in order to accommodate this person. And that, to me, is part of what community is about, that we've got to be on the road in the first place. So um, that necessarily means that we have to get outside of ourselves and our comfort zones and be on the lookout for people that are on the road with us. And then Mm, when you look at the uh, parable of the woman at the well, here we have Jesus, a Jew, who goes outside of what he is supposed to do, not go through Samaria because most Jews at that time would circumvent going through the land because they did not like the Samaritans Mm -hmm. because they thought 
They were half-breeds, not real Jews. So he did something that was, uh, in a sense, not what everybody expected of a person like him. And then he did something else, which is (laughs) talk with a woman. And that was very hard, very much not that was counterculture. Um, something yep. that a Jewish man would do, right? And then he does a marvelous thing. He uh, intersects with her in a way that helps her understand that he is someone who is unlike anybody else that she ever met. And what happens? Well, she's so taken by that that she returns to her village and tells people, I just met the Messiah. Well, had he not gotten up that day and decided to do something nobody else really would do, go out of his way through Samaria and talk with her, the principle I take away from that is simply this, that only when we go out of our way to be with people unlike us, will they then go out of their way to talk to people about us. Mm. So... I think that's really important for us as uh, believers to understand that our role is to get outside of ourselves. And so those are the kinds of things I look at. And I talk about Mary and Martha as well and others uh, to, to see what that all means. Those two stories have the three elements that you described, the intersection, the community, and the sacrifice. I love that. Yeah. One of the quotes that you have in your book I really like, you said, The real problem with social media mindset is that it's not really about being social. It's about being safe. Yes. (laughs) Explain that. We create situations for ourselves to be safe because I think fear is dominant in our world. We don't like to be uncomfortable. Uh, We don't like to go outside of ourselves. And so we say we are interacting with people. And the way we do that is behind a firewall of impersonality. So that makes things safe for us. We actually think that that will prevent us from hearing things, seeing things that disturb our worldview. And so to me, the whole point of what Jesus asked us to do was to have a disturbing worldview. (laughs) So he challenged us in every way possible to not think like the world thinks. He challenged us to think like he thought and embraced his ideals and, of course, his principles. Um, And I think the whole point of uh, being on the road is not necessarily to be safe, but to be intersected with and to expose people to who Christ is in our lives. You just can't get that on the internet. So that's why you stay there and you become safe because you really don't have to touch people at that point. See, many of the times our intersections with people are very serendipitous. They're not planned. We don't want to plan to be with certain people. And yet it is those very instances where we find out things about ourselves and about others that makes us the kind of people we become. And the fun part is it is often the very conflict that we engage in with people that turns out to the point where we even become friends with them. Think of intersecting with people in certain realms of business or sports or um, take a look at great movies that come out that show that like the same kind of different as me, right? Um, The very intersection in that soup kitchen enabled uh, the Renee Zellweger character to befriend a homeless man, Mm -hmm. right? And out of that, 
came a lot of other redemption and a movie that hopefully did something to somebody's life. And so that's the point of being outside of yourself. It is to learn who you are, really. And you only do that when you intersect with people. So it's not about being safe. Scripture is never about that. It is about being the model of who Jesus is in the world. And oftentimes that brings you to people that we ordinarily might never, ever meet, but who will be ultimately the thing that changes our lives for the better. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. Well, I mean, let's take a moment and give thanks where thanks are due. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody that's out there supporting this podcast so that it can exist, thank you because it would not exist without you. Oh, that is so true because this is a nonprofit endeavor. We don't make any income from it. Very nonprofit. <laughs> In fact, we, we uh, provide support to it. So we're so appreciative of your joining with us through your tax deductible contribution to make this show possible. And if you do want to support and keep this bad boy going, then just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate. I noticed you use the word social media mindset. You're not really attacking social media per se as a tool here, are you? I mean, I know you're very active on social media yourself. But uh, how is it that we develop this social media mindset that you're warning us about? That, that mm-hmm. I mean, how can we approach the use of social media as believers in a way that is reflective yeah. of the, the sure. values that you're describing? I, I got you. I, I answer that question this way to people. Uh, first of all, to make sure I'm clear, I am not anti-social media, okay? Um, I always question... Um, the things I do to make sure uh, I'm the one that is directing it and not being directed. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, the I think the good thing about what we do with social media is it is a form of communication that we can um, bring that to people and to each other and create more information flow. And so I think that's fine. Uh, what I am saying, though, is that the reality of uh, where we are in this day and age with our our use of social media is that it begins to define who we are and what we believe. And as a Christian, I am only defined by who I am and what I believe by my intersection with Jesus, not by what everybody else says. And so I think we have forgotten that to a point that we uh, ingest so much stuff on the social media pathway uh, I, I often liken us to this ethereal garbage collector where we are stopping along all these intersections on the internet and picking up all the garbage <laughs> in our mind rather than just laying it aside. So I don't want to be an internet garbage collector. <laughs> there's, you know? too, there's too much to collect. <laughs> yeah, and so um, I need to take a break from that and not just intersect with all the stuff that's out there that will cause fear, will help me undermine my own understanding of who my identity is in and who I am. And so those are things I just want people to be careful of, Mm. you know, and um, I just see too much of that happening. So 
that's kind of my answer to that. Yeah. Um, certainly not anti-social media. Right, right. And I find that too, that it's easy on uh, with social media to try to portray a picture of yourself that's manicured um, as, as opposed to, you know, I think you talk about authenticity in your book um, as well, which you can only really find when you allow yourself to be in community with others and having the intersection and the sacrifice that I think you're talking about. Well, a- absolutely. And, you know, I, I bring out another metaphor in one of my chapters about, you know, I, I talk about the redwood forest, right? Mm-hmm. And the size of the trees. And uh, most people think that there's a huge root system that keeps them from toppling over. And to the contrary, it's not. The reality is that they have a very shallow root system. And the success of why they remain upright because of their size is that all those roots intertwine with all the other roots of all the other trees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it is the very essence of what community does. It intertwines us with everybody else so that we can remain strong when storms come, if we can use that symbolism. So it is the very root system that enables people to stand as well. And that's what community builds in us is a root system so that people can help us through the times in life when we are unable to cope and we need prayer and we need someone there. I mean, that's what a local church is about, is it not? Yes. And that's why the writer of Hebrews could say, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Uh, For that very reason, it is when we intersect and commune with people and sacrifice for them that we become strong and are able to withstand. And I think that's an important thing for us to realize. And so one of the ways in which you can counter the issues of the Internet thing is that when Agents of the federal government are asked to find counterfeit money. I think you know the story Mm -hmm. is that they are exposed to the the real thing to such a degree that anything that is counterfeit will be easily understood Mm -hmm. and and divided between – and you can divide between those two. So I think our responsibility is to help expose people to the real thing of what real community is. And this is the answer I give to parents who say, well, how do I tell my children don't do this? Well, the reality is it's pretty hard to tell anybody anything, right? Yeah. So the way I would go about doing it is exposing them to what the real thing looks like so that they would be so drawn to it that they would then begin to change their patterns and practices and want to go do the thing that will ultimately give them more joy and peace and satisfaction. So that's one way to do it. Um, But it it then is incumbent upon those who understand that to go do that with them and take them out, right? And do things so that they will see the real thing. You know, what does the real community look like? Right? That community of sacrifice. Yeah. Um, That's what people really are looking for. Yeah, that's good. You know, one of the things I've enjoyed about your books, Joe, is that I go through them and they're. I'll just be reading along. You have a very nice writing style and I'm reading along. I'm following what you're saying. And then all of a sudden you write something and it just goes pow. And (laughs) and here's another one. So I want to, I I told you one before that that you explained beautifully. I'd like you to talk about this one. It's always more expedient to give life to a lie than put your ego to death. Mm -hmm. I mean, boy, I just, just that hit, that just hit me. So talk about that. Yeah. Well, particularly on the internet, putting out dying, is a lot harder than living, correct? 
it's more palatable to all of us. You know, we, mm-hmm. we rather give life rather than die. Mm-hmm. Jesus says the opposite. It's better to die to yourself. And so the, the real meaning of that, I think, is, of course, if we follow what most people and what the world would offer us, particularly if we keep with the people that are in thinking, in the same kind of thinking as we are. Um, yeah, it is easier, I always think, to give life to that which is untrue because we want to have a life of no pain, no intersection with anybody that disturbs our point of view. Um, because, you know, my ego is the last thing I want to die because it's how I sense who I am. Mm-hmm. Jesus turns it all around and says, who you are is in me and there is life in me, um, but your ego has to die. Um, and so that's a much harder process uh, of letting go of that. Um, and this is where if you don't encounter situations that enable us to see that what I am living is a lie, um, my ego interrupts the reality of uh, where I should be on the road um, and who I am really. Uh, and I've got to deal with that. And so if you're not accountable to anyone, which is a lot of what is happening online, then I have no one to go to me and say, thus saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and so this, uh, what I call this firewall of impersonality um uh, prevents us from engaging in conversations or events or situations that will call to question that ego in me. And so, yeah, um, I'll avoid that at any cost. That is the deep inward journey that is hard to get to, isn't it? That protection of ego and all the ways in which we do that. And unless you engage in community and that intersection and communion and sacrifice that you're talking about, you probably will never triangulate around that ego and and work through it. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Um, You know, to me, the whole essence of um, having that kind of community uh, is really embodied. uh, And I want to make sure I get this in um, my last chapter. And then I have four guest chapters, which are really kind of cool because they take on different perspectives as well. Um, but I call the community of the cross. And I don't think many people have called Calvary a type of community. But to me, it was. And it, it, it embodied that last or that third part of community, which is sacrifice. And I think there's a reason why there were just two criminals with Christ mm. that day, not three or four or five, which, of course, there was often multiple crucifixions you know, but that day there was Christ and two others. Now, I'm not going to build my theology around this, but I think there is some real significance that is in Scripture for this purpose. That it shows us the response that each of us must have to who Jesus is in our lives. If we want to hang with Jesus, and I'll use that, you know, <laughs> metaphorically. Metaphorically, (laughs) and I I don't want it to be trite, okay? (laughs) That's about as serious as it gets. It it certainly is. Uh, But in the hip parlance of our day, 
there are two responses that can come from us. We can ask him to save us from our situation or we can ask him to save us, period. And I think that's the reason we had two criminals on the cross with him that day because there are only two responses that we should have when we encounter Christ at Calvary. And that is the place where our ego must be put to death um, in order to accept, you know, this grand design that God had for us. And his world of sacrifice really brought that down uh, to a very human level. And so to me, that was an incredible community that was established there. And that's the way I want to look at um, the cross. Wow. That's really good. And that, that is an insight that you can take with in every decision that you make throughout the day is, am I seeking the Lord to change my circumstances or to be, or to be changed myself, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that also points out a great principle that there's really no redemption or entry into the heavenly community without sacrifice. Yes. And I always love to let people know if you're out there and you feel like there's no way God can accept you because you think you've, <laughs> you've sinned too much, done too much, he doesn't like. I always like people to, rem- to hear that God's capacity to forgive exceeds our capacity to sin beyond his forgiveness. Amen. Well, that, that is a beautiful place to just land this right now. I mean, I, I don't know <laughs> why we'd want to build anything on top of what you just created <laughs> because that's just a great place. For all of us to remember God's grace is so much greater than any of our sin. How can our listeners learn more about you, your book, um, all the rest? Well, certainly they could go to my website, joebataglia.com. And, you know, there's a bunch of stuff there that uh, they can look at and find out what I do and um, read some of my blogs and get an idea of what I think uh, so they can unfriend me if they care to, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, they can go there. I mean, the book's available on on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, any place you can buy a book, you know, it's there. So that's how they can find out about me. And uh, I also have 10 devotionals uh, that I wrote for the YouVersion app, right? A lot of people use the YouVersion for their devotionals, right? Yep. Uh, so I have 10 devotionals there that you might enjoy. I've scoped 10 chapters and, um, I have, I think I have some good stuff in there. Well, got a lot of good stuff. We'll have the links to all of that in our show notes, Joe, but I want to just thank you again for coming yet again on the bold idea podcast. And I guess maybe, uh, we'll make this a, an occurrence for every book that you, uh, you publish because <laughs> it's always so good and so timely. And this one just really hits home with, I think, what a lot of people are wrestling with just to get back to that. What is the essence of authentic community? And I know that's something we can all benefit from. So thanks again for being on the show. Oh, yes, my pleasure, Larry. And I I do trust that the book will help people walk through some things that maybe they've been thinking about as well. And if it accomplishes that, then we're all better off for it. Uh, Amen to that. Amen. Thanks, Joe. You bet. Thank you for having me again. Well, I've signed off with Joe Battaglia, but signing in with Armin in the studio who wasn't able to be here during We're downgrading here. (laughs)
<laughs> well, you know, downgrading with my presence too, but uh, always good to have Joe on the program. He I'm, is the man. Joe, if you're listening to this, I am so, so bummed. I missed you. I appreciate you more than you know. And, uh, uh, man, I, I don't even have words to, uh, give the condolences to your wife passing. It's, uh, it was one of the hardest things I saw and I don't know why, but man, I could just sense your love for her. And, uh, I, I just want you to know your relationship impacted my marriage. So my love, my sympathy and my deepest condolences to you, Joe. Amen. Good word, Armin. And I, I can vouch for Joe, his, uh, sincerity and all those things. Cause he was deeply disappointed. He couldn't be here, but we are here to chat about what we just heard from Joe. And, um, I know, I mean, you've had a chance to listen to uh, his comments and, you know, I was struck by just his review of community. And what I like about Joe is that he does kind of challenge us in this intersection between culture and, and, uh, faith. Yeah. And it really is kind of this bold idea to kind of remind us that we are not to be, uh, conform to the image of the world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind. The scripture yeah. says, and it's so easy for culture to create habits of thinking and doing mm. that may not line up with scripture. And right. Joe is calling us back to that assessment when it comes to where do we spend our time and how we develop community. And particularly around this whole idea of finding ways in which we hide behind, as he calls it, this firewall where it's so easy to project both an image of ourself, but also protect mm-hmm. ourself, our ego, as he points out, yeah. uh, from scrutiny. Yeah, And it's, I think, that biblical scrutiny that we need to have of believers that really does help shape really a bold idea. It helps shape us mm-hmm. as people, obviously. But you know, to the point of this podcast, if we're not willing to come forward and allow ourselves to have that kind of challenge in who we are how can we ever fully bring out what god has designed us to be in terms of the bold idea in our life right what's interesting about that is in the you know in the 90s when i was going to school we grew up listening to music that would say i would rather have you hate me for who i really am than love me for who i'm not right and i'm pretty sure that was kurt cobain and nirvana somewhere in one of his albums that not that you listen to any of that but that's okay uh, but it, it, it was, it was kind of part of the culture that we grew up in and it, it pushed realism. Right. And then all of a sudden social media comes out and it literally shifted it to the exact opposite where I would rather have you love me for who I'm not, because I don't want you to know who I really am. Cause I know you'll hate me. It's almost assumptive so that we want people to see our social media persona, but not who we really are because that's easier to do. So I totally agree. I've never heard of it from a protection standpoint, but man, he's spot on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I love how he talked about the three elements that he saw when he looks at authentic biblical biblical community, intersection, communion, and sacrifice. Yeah. And uh, as he drew out those examples, I could see that. I could see where, you know, we need to step outside of our comfort zone to intersect with people. Um, I love how he said that, that that firewall that we have, you know, keeps my ego in check. And when we only keep with people that are inside of our comfort zone, it is a form of protection. Yeah. And uh, that's a, that's a great challenge and a great reminder for us. And then the idea of communion and and really getting to an understanding of who it is that we're communing with, you Mm -hmm. know, that intersection is required, but also there's something that's, that's a give and take in the process of communion, which I think is where sacrifice also comes in. These things probably blend together. You can't do one without the other. There seems to be, as he said, these three themes that, 
are always dominant in authentic community. And it made me think about the Thomas Merton questions once again. You know, we talked about those a long time ago, but mm -hmm. Thomas Merton had written, basically I'll paraphrase here. He says, if you want to really know who I am, don't ask me trivial stuff like how I comb my hair, but ask me what am I living for and mm -hmm. what's keeping me from it. Mm. And, you know, when we talk about authentic community, I think those are really two very penetrating questions. And I have to think and assess myself, am I in authentic community if I've not been asked those questions? And if I don't have an opportunity to ask those questions of others, and I can tell you, it's a rare thing to have conversations, I think, even with believers where you're, you're saying, you know, what are you sensing that you're here for yeah. and what's keeping you from it? And I mm -hmm. think those are really great questions to ask in community yeah. and to really find out whether you're living in a community that's just feeding your ego, you know, and protecting your ego or one that is really challenging you to live at a higher biblical standard. Totally. Uh, Joe just had me actually geeking out and from the get-go I had to actually <laughs> rewind it so I could he just what Joe always does he always puts you into deep thought right mm -hmm. um, where he started out we're talking about how God refers to himself as we us our and uh, you know you could read that one Genesis verse I think it's 126 and you could probably me and you can probably talk about it for the next week and not even scratch the surface of why God keeps referring to himself in the plural right but his point of community or even like the statistics I remember we preached about years and years and years ago about how the United States is considered the number one most socially isolated culture on the planet right and it was the metrics that they used was so intense you know as how many what's the number of miles you drive to get to work but then they said oh that's not a fair assessment because in la and minnesota one mile is not the same timing so the number of minutes do you drive how many uh minutes do you spend in front of a mobile phone how many minutes do you spend in front of a tv and how many meals do you have a family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there was a ton of metrics that they used, and then I'm sure we've talked about it before, mm -hmm. but by far and away, we ranked number one in the entire world as the most socially isolated culture on the planet. So listening to uh, Joe put all this you know, information together and coming at it from the angle that he's coming, man, he's attacking something that is, I honestly don't know how to solve this. You know, so having someone like Joe write about this and even propose solutions that could provide an answer to an epidemic. Yeah. Man, this book is sign more significant than he probably realizes. Yeah, I, th I think he's really onto something here, too. Our culture is ever speaking and never listening. Yes. And uh, it's getting more and more that way as mm -hmm. we want to project ourselves out there. I'll leave with this. I, one of the poignant parts of this interview that I think is going to stick with me for a long time. You know how we will interview guests and there'll be remnants or pieces and pockets of things that you just carry with you. And, and I think the thing that's going to, I'm going to carry away from this interview is that he talked about the communion of the cross mm. and, uh, and how each of the other two thieves represented a way in which we can respond to God and a way in which we can approach God. Change my circumstances, get me off this cross why couldn't you get yourself off or be with me? Let me be with you. Mm. And, and that's the, that to me is the thing that challenges me every day. Even as I pr pursue the bold ideas in my life, there are going to be things that are going to hit me upside the head and I will just go to God and I'll say, you know, change the circumstance. And, and I have to come back and say, you know what, rather change me, Yeah, you know, keep me in communion with you because I'd rather be in communion with you 
than have a change in my circumstances. And those are the two options that we have. And I just love how he just simply put that out there. And that causes us, I think, when we keep that choice in mind about how do we want to approach God, we really truly are living at communion of the cross. Yeah. Uh, There's nothing I can add to that other than saying that I remember the first time uh, I got choked up reading the Bible was uh, <laughs> was that specific part of the Bible when um, Jesus said, you know, you'll be with me. And the fact that the Bible went out of its way to point out that this is a criminal that deserved to be on the cross. But Jesus went out of his way to say, you deserve to be next to me. Yeah. Right. And, um, and I, you know, you know, my story just coming out of my criminal lifestyle and uh, it was, yeah, it just, I mean, I, if I talk about it more, I'll start getting choked up. But that was the first time I choked up. And I think that was the first time from reading, not listening to someone. That it hit home for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, yeah. Well, we hope that this episode has hit home for you in some way and that there's a takeaway that uh, that you can use as you pursue your bold idea. And we'd love to hear about it. Uh, find our show notes at boldideapodcast.com slash seven nine. You'll get links to Joe Battaglia, to his book, to the other resources that we talked about. But also, you'll find an area for you to leave a comment, and we'd love to hear from you about your thoughts on what we've talked about and anything that might be on your heart as we go forward. Of course, we'd love for you to also review our show at boldideapodcast.com slash review. And if you don't know about this, uh, or maybe just new to the show, we have a blog called the Bold Idea Podcast blog, and we have guest authors. Our guests are also writing and sharing some additional insights that you might find valuable. And you can get that by signing up your email at boldideapodcast.com. And we'd love to uh, have you join our growing community of podcast listeners and now readers to our blog. Well, that's uh, it for this week. And this is Larry Gates and Armin Asadi saying so long, go well, be blessed and pursue that bold idea that God has put inside you. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.